courage from Joshua. I mean, what a life of courage. We really leaned in and learned some great lessons from his life. And then we started the new year out talking about being women who live with rain slicker courage, right? So for the last two weeks, we've been talking about that and just how to live letting things slide off and not stick to us, not picking up things that we don't need to pick up. And so we concluded that last week. So I'm sorry to tell you, I will not be wearing a rain slicker or, or being shot with a squirt gun today. <clears throat> Hopefully you're not disappointed by that. I'm very relieved by that. <laughs> but today, we are going to talk about the courage to pray, all right? And so how many of you would like a little renewed strength in your prayer life? A little more miraculous power working in your prayer life? Anybody? <clears throat> Sometimes if we want something more than what we're seeing now, that might mean we need to do something a little bit different. We might need to take some steps of courage in our prayer life to see God do more of what he really wants to do for each and every one of us. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. But have any of you ever noticed that sometimes it's a little bit harder to pray than others? Anybody ever notice that? Yeah, sometimes it is. Sometimes we flat out don't feel like praying. Is there anybody in here that would be honest enough to say, sometimes you don't really feel like praying? All right, a few honest women. You know what? For those of you who don't want to raise your hand and want us to think you're perfect, it's okay because we know otherwise because we all live in these human fleshly bodies and prayer talking to god is contrary to our humanity and what our flesh might want to do at any given time so of course it's going to be a little bit hard to pray at times of course our flesh may not want to pray at certain times so whether you raise your hand at all or not we know we are all in the same boat because we live in these human fleshly bodies but when it is the hardest to pray that's when we need it the most and that's when it takes a little bit more courage to pray and you know, here at the bridge, over this last month of January, we've had a month of prayer and fasting, and it has been awesome to see what God is doing. Our Wednesday night prayer nights have been amazing, so we are actually going to be continuing those through the month of February. But God is doing incredible things. It is so exciting to hear the answers to prayer, things that people are seeing as they've pressed into God more and pursued him more in their prayer lives. And ladies, if we want to see God do miraculous things in our lives, then we've got to be women who are willing to be courageous and really pray, even when it's hard, even when our flesh doesn't want to. How many of you want God to do big things in your life? Amen. Me too. But if we want to see God do big things in our lives, then we've got to have the courage to pray big prayers. 
We've got to be willing to stretch our faith and believe God for big things. We can't just sit back, just strolling through life, just existing through life, expecting God to do big things. If we want him to do big things, then we've got to pray big prayers. We've got to ask big. You know, the word tells us to ask, right? You know what that means? Pray. Ask, pray, same thing, talking to God. So we've got to stretch our faith and really ask, really pray. You know, last week when we talked about having that rain slicker courage, we learned some lessons from Jesus on the what he specifically prayed in some particular settings things that he specifically prayed that enabled him to let things slide off. Because when he went to that, that cross, when he was on Calvary, it says that he was able to disregard all the shame, everything that was put on him. He was able to let it slide right off. And so we saw from some of his prayers what he prayed that enabled him to do that. If you weren't here last week, I just encourage you to listen to that message. Listen to the podcast online. You can do that. But we really learned some valuable things about what he prayed. But today, as we talk about courage to pray, I want us to talk about when. Not the what, but the when Jesus prayed. And then we're also going to talk about how. How to pray power-filled prayers. All right? Ladies, we need to be courageous in the when we pray. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing. Now, I don't think that literally means that we never stop letting prayers come out our mouths. Because if I was out at the grocery store and Agatha here came up to talk to me and I was saying, and God, I just pray for my family and I pray for this need and I pray for your provision, she'd be like, hello, I'm just trying to talk to you for a minute and I'd be going on in prayer. That'd just be a little weird, right? And God wants to be seen in us. He doesn't want our lives to be weird and repel people from him, but rather to draw people to him. So I don't think it literally means that we have prayers coming out of our mouth every second of the day. But I do think it means that we need to have a lifestyle of prayer and have a continual conversation going on with God. Let me ask you, do any of you have someone, a close friend, a spouse, um, a family member, somebody, maybe a sister, that's your go-to, that you just pick up that phone every time something happens, you just can't wait to talk to, you just have this ongoing conversation. And the phone might hang up, but you know in, in a few minutes or the next day, you're going to pick that phone back up and you're just going to continue that conversation. You have that ongoing conversation. Hopefully, if you're married, you have an ongoing conversation with your husband. God wants us to have an ongoing conversation with him. He wants to be our go-to. He wants to be that person that we run to with everything, our best friend. And Jesus, 
had an ongoing conversation with the Father. If we look through scripture, we see so many occasions in the life of Jesus while he lived on this earth that he prayed. <clears throat> we see scriptures that say that he prayed when he was alone and he prayed when he was in public. We see occasions when he prayed before meals. He prayed at times before the beginning of his day. We see places where he prayed before traveling to a new place. We see places where he prayed before important decisions. He prayed before performing miracles. He prayed to see miracles come about. He prayed after miracles happened. He prayed to do the Father's will. He prayed during, or sorry, before, during, and after major events in life. He prayed before, during, and after minor events in life. He prayed for wisdom when talking to certain groups of people. He also taught on the importance of prayer, teaching other people to pray. And now, Scripture tells us that Jesus is in heaven still praying for us. He lived with a continual conversation going on with the Father, talking to him about everything. What an example we have. You see, we need to live like that, including God in everything in every detail of our lives. And that's how we do it, by talking to him about everything. You see, prayer is not just about asking God to do something. Prayer is also about the Spirit of God accomplishing things in us and through us as we pray. When we continually pray, we're just continually talking to God, involving him in every area and every detail of our lives exactly what Jesus did. So there are so many occasions in the word when Jesus prayed to give us the example of praying continually. But I want us, as we talk about this when to pray, I want us to look at one specific occasion. There's so many we could look at, but this one, it's a simple one. A little one you might think but it's one that I think all of us as women can very much relate to so let me ask you have you ever felt a little wrung out any women here ever felt like that washcloth just totally wrung out nothing left a little weak a little weary like you just don't have anything left to give anyone else <clears throat> I think women especially can sometimes feel that way because we're constantly taking care of everyone else around us, right? Wanting to make sure everyone's taken care of. But let me tell you, God did not create us to be weak women who live wrung out lives with nothing left to give anyone else. He did not create us to live that way. You know, he never runs out. He's never wrung out. And he never runs out of what we need or what anyone else needs in any situation. And that's how he wants us to live. Because he's in us. He wants to pour through us. But it's not always easy. It's a little easier said than done. And it definitely takes courage. Because it means that we have to rise above our flesh. We have to rise above our humanity. Because our flesh likes 
to just kind of cave in from time to time. Anybody ever been there? Our flesh likes to have a pity party from time to time and feel sorry for ourselves. Our flesh likes to be a martyr. Now, you can all think of someone who's a martyr, and none of you would ever admit to <laughs> being a martyr, but we all have our days and our moments when we just feel like being that martyr, and don't they know what I'm doing, and don't they know how hard I'm working, and all that I've been done, I can't believe it. We've all been there, because we're human. But Jesus gave us a really great example of how to stay filled up. Even at a moment when he could have so easily felt empty and like he had nothing left to give. And I want you to look at this one occasion with me in Matthew chapter 14. Now at this time, Jesus had just received news that John the Baptist was beheaded. His heart was heavy. His heart was hurting at receiving this news. And at Matthew 14, verse 13, it says, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. Deserted, where nobody was, because he wanted to be alone. He needed to be alone. He, maybe he wanted to process this news that he had just heard, to mourn, to talk to God, to pour out his heart to God. He went to a place where no one was to be alone. But then it continues and says, but when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities, plural, coming from all directions. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude he just wanted to be alone. Have you ever felt that way? Like maybe you just wanted to be alone. Maybe you were going through something. Maybe you just received some difficult news. Maybe your heart was breaking over something. You just needed to be alone, to process, to mourn, to talk to God, whatever the case may be. You wanted to be alone. And then the kids run in and say, Mom, I've invited a bunch of people over, and we're going to do this, and can you make dinner for us, and then can you take us to the movie, and then this, and then that. Ever felt like that? <laughs> You're like, I just wanted to be alone. And then the doorbell rings and it's the neighbors because they know you're the Christian in the neighborhood and you're the one who will pray when they go through something and they come in and they're crying and they want to tell you everything that's going on and will you pray for me? You think, I just wanted to be alone. And then your husband, hey, honey, I've invited some guys over to watch the game tonight. You don't mind. Can you put on something for dinner? Da, da, da. Whatever happens in your household. <laughs> I just want to be alone. <laughs> and usually we <laughs> explode a little bit, <laughs> possibly. I don't know what goes on in your home, but it could be foreseeable that that could happen. <laughs> Because sometimes we just want to be alone, and then we get a little bit grouchy when we can't, right? If we're honest. But then, <laughs> what did Jesus do? It continues on, and it says, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. 
wow, thousands of people were coming towards him. And many were sick, wanting to be healed. So he's praying for them, moved with compassion in his heart, even though he wanted to be alone, even though his heart is hurting in that moment, he still gave out, healing the sick, ministering to them. And then it continues on, and it says, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place. Like, remember, you came here to be alone. Hello, just trying to help you out here, just reminding you. This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves some food. You came here to be alone. You need to be alone. But Jesus said to them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. It's like the entire Temecula Valley showed up at your doorstep when you're hurting, when your heart's heavy, and they want to come in and have dinner. And you just open the door and say, come in and find a place, sit wherever you want. Wow. So he commanded them to sit down on the grass, find a place. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments, fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Wow, so this foreseeably could have easily been 10,000 people. Oh, my goodness. So imagine this. Imagine already being heavy-hearted, mourning, being bombarded with people, and then listening to them because they're all coming to Jesus with their needs, listening to their stories, listening to their needs, listening to what they want, and then praying for them and ministering to them, and then feeding at least 10,000 people. I don't know, maybe you are superwoman, but I think I would have felt a little wrung out at that point, if not before. Not sure about you. And you know, although Jesus was God, he was also 100% man, 100% God and 100% man. And I think it's most likely that at this point, he was starting to feel it a little bit because let's see what he did next. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And while he sent the multitudes away, or while he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. He knew when he needed to carve out that time for himself and to slip away to pray. Many of us at that point, what would we have done? Oh, I'm so exhausted. I can't handle another thing. Uh, where is the bed? I'm going to go lay down and pull the covers up over my head. Nobody bother me for three days. <laughs> would any of you ever feel anything like that? But Jesus went to pray. 
And then, after he prayed, you know what happened? He was strengthened, he was refueled, refilled, and then he just continued on pouring out. Because after he came down from that mountain, after he had that time to pray, he just continued straight on. The next thing we see him doing is that he walked in actions that caused faith to expand in someone else around him. Because at that point, he walked out on the water, and Peter saw him, and faith expanded in Peter's heart. And Peter said, I want to walk on the water. And Peter stepped out in that boat, faith ex out of the boat onto the water. Faith expanded in Peter's heart because he saw how Jesus was walking. We need to be willing to go to God, let him refill us so that other people will be impacted by how we are living. So his actions showed the miraculous power of God. And then, immediately on the heels of that, love poured through him to be there to catch the one whose faith was failing as Peter began to sink a little bit. And then peace flowed through him to be there to dispel the fear in those who were in the boat and calm the storm. And his very presence revealed God to them because as the disciples were in that boat and they saw all of this, they said, truly, you are the Son of God. And then as the boat came to the other side and more people were waiting and coming there to meet Jesus, power flowed out of him to heal everyone who was sick in all of those surrounding regions that they came to on the other side. You see, in difficult times, in times when we might just want to dig a hole or pull the covers up, we've got to learn the power of running to God, to taking that time in prayer, to carve that out no matter what our flesh is feeling like because that's where we will get refueled, refilled so that we can then continue going about our life, pouring out the fullness of God, the nature of God, the goodness of God onto those around us pouring into their lives what they are in need of from him. That's how God wants us to live, that we're just the vessel, but he's continually pouring through us. But how do we leave our prayer times? Because sometimes we might have an, a situation similar in, you know, in our home and being bombarded with people and responsibilities and, okay, all right, I know I need to pray. So I go, I get alone, and I pray, and I pray, okay. Whew, okay, all right, God, okay. And then we come out, and then we call our girlfriend. <laughs> I'm just so wrung out. I mean, I spend time praying, and I, I'm just believing God will strengthen me. Just pray for me that God will strengthen me. I'm just so weak. <laughs> when we spend time with God, he refills us, he refuels us, and then it's up to us to walk in it. We've got to recognize it and walk in it. 
and not feel sorry for ourselves and not try to be gaining all this sympathy. Well, I just want them to know like all that I've been doing and all that I've been carrying and we become this crazy person in our heads. We need to come to God, run to him, let him be our go-to and let him fill us and then walk in what he has done in us and be that vessel that he can pour through. Last night, I had so many irons in the fire, so many little things I had to take care of last night. And I started to get a little bit stressed out. And, um, you know, some of you in here, you are tough cookies. And you never cry. Well, I'm a crier, as most of you know. And so I cry when I'm happy. And I cry when, when I just feel the presence of God. And I cry when I feel like God's talking to me. And, and... And then if I get stressed or overwhelmed, I might start to cry. That's not a very good thing. And so last night I started getting really stressed out, and I could just feel the tears coming. And um, are there any other criers in here? Just, okay, thank you. Okay. So you get me. Okay. So so, um, I could feel them coming, as you do. And I had to catch myself. Okay. It's not going to do any good. I don't have time for that. I can't go there. And then I remembered this story. And I had to preach my message to myself <laughs> and tell myself, okay, wow. The things that are causing stress for me right now are nothing compared to all that Jesus did in this story here that we just read and, and all the people he was taking care of and everything. And I thought, okay. But what did he do in the midst of that? He prayed. Okay, God, i got to do what my message says. i got to (laughs) pray. And so I just began to pray. And as I did, you know what? The presence of God just came over me. And it was like he was just right there assuring me, comforting me, encouraging me. He's so good. He gives us what we need. And then he allows us to be filled so that we can pour out to others as well. But we've got to come to him. If I just curled up in a ball and started crying, it would have done absolutely no good. And it would have been a mess for you today. That would have not been good at all. (laughs) Ladies, we need to learn from Jesus' example and be courageous enough to pray even when our flesh is weak, even when we feel wrung out or stressed out, there will continually be people around us that God wants to pour his nature onto through us. He wants us to be that vessel. So that means we've got to be courageous in the when we pray, meaning we've got to be courageous enough to pray at all times, even when it's hard. All right? Second thing I want us to see is that we also need to have courage in the how we pray. Have you ever felt like your prayers aren't doing any good? Ever felt like your prayers are just kind of bouncing off the walls and you just don't really feel like there's power in your prayers, like everyone else's prayers just seem so much more powerful than yours? I can't tell you how many times I talk to people who tell me that. I just feel like everyone else prays these powerful prayers, and I'm not praying powerful prayers. I'm not, I'm not seeing God do things through my prayers. What's going on? I want to have more powerful prayers. If we want 
our prayer life to be more power-filled today, then we need to do something different. If we want them to be more power-filled than what we've been seeing, we need to do something different. Because if we keep doing the same thing, we're going to keep getting the same thing, right? So we need to change it up. We need to maybe go a little deeper. We need to do some things to cause our prayers to be more power-filled, to position ourselves for more power-filled prayers. And so with the remainder of our time, I want us to talk about three really vital components to having power-filled prayers, okay? That first component is the heart. And there's a few aspects that I want to talk about about the heart. First of all, we need to check what's going on in our heart and recognize that the matters of our heart can hinder our prayers if we're not careful. And we've talked about this a fair amount the last two weeks as we've talked about having that rain slicker courage and letting things slide off. So we're not going to spend a lot of time here today. But you know, Scripture tells us that unforgiveness and unconfessed sin will hinder our prayers. And so we've got to check what's going on in our heart. And if we want to have power-filled prayers, we've got to let go of the unforgiveness. We've got to let go of that unconfessed sin. Not have things hidden, but confess it to God. Allow him to forgive us. We've got to be willing to repent and willing to forgive others. When we repent, we want God's forgiveness. But then we need to be willing to extend that to others. So we've got to check the matters of our heart and what's going on in our heart. But then also, we've got to check the motives of our heart and make sure that the motives of our heart are lining up with God's will as we pray. In 1 John 5, 14, it says, if we ask according to his will, he hears us. That's the assurance we have, the confidence we have. So we need to be praying according to his will, not just praying for selfish motives, okay? So we've got to check our motives. But then we've also got to make sure that we're really believing in our heart, that we're not just asking, okay, God, well, if, if maybe you could possibly do this. No, that we really believe. And when we pray his will, we can believe it because we have the assurance that he will accomplish his will. So we've got to be willing to really stretch our faith and believe in our hearts what we pray. The word tells us that we will have what we pray. And then in James, it tells us that if we're doubting, that if we're not believing, that we will not have anything we ask for. It's important that we are believing that God will do what we pray. And when we pray according to his will, we know that he will. And then the thing about the heart that I really want to talk about is we need to be willing to pour out our heart to God. If we want power-filled prayers, they need to come from the depths of our heart. Let me ask you something. When you have small talk with someone, where does that small talk come from? It comes from our head, not our heart. It's just casual, just 
in passing conversation, sometimes without even thinking. When I was growing up, my mom taught me when someone asks, how are you, say, uh, fine, how are you? <laughs> so that was like my, always my answer, fine, how are you, fine, how are you? <laughs> Which was better because my grandma wanted me to say to people, how do you do? And I would say, grandma, how do they do what? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Little rabbit trail, okay. <laughs> but sometimes we say that, fine, how are you? Fine, how are you? Oh, how are you? Without even really wanting to know how they are. We just have small talk that comes from our head, just casual conversation that comes from our head without even thinking about it. But then when we have really deep, meaningful conversation with someone, where does that come from? It comes from our heart. And that's the kind of conversation we need to have with God. That's the kind of conversation he wants to have with us, that heart-to-heart -heart conversation like we would have with our very best friend, that person we are the closest to. He wants us to pour out our hearts, pour out our emotions to him. I am amazed how many times I hear people say, well, I can't tell God all of my emotions. I can't tell him when I'm upset about this or upset about that. I mean... I can't say that to God. Absolutely you can. Don't you want your best friend to pour out their heart to you, to tell you what they're going through? If you're a parent, don't you want your child to pour out their heart to you? How much more does our Heavenly Father want that from us? Last week we saw in Luke 22 that when Jesus was in agony, it says he prayed earnestly. When we are going through it, we can pour it all out to him. When everything is great, we can pour it all out to him. He wants us to open our hearts and pour out everything to him, having heart-to-heart -heart communication with him. So our heart is vital in having power-filled prayers because if we just have prayers from our head, they're not going to be power-filled. But when we have prayers from our heart, and we're praying from the depths of our being, pouring it all out to God, that becomes a power-filled prayer. The second component of a power-filled prayer is the Word. You know, in John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus and the Word are one. And we've got to recognize that the Word of God is not a book to get dusty on the shelf. It is Jesus. It is powerful. It is living. That's what Scripture tells us. It is alive and powerful. And when we pray the Word, our prayers become alive and powerful. We need to know the Word. We need to be praying the word. Whatever situation we're praying for, we can find a promise from God to pray over that situation. Maybe you're just beginning your journey with God and your relationship with him, and you're thinking, I don't know how to find a promise. We've got all kinds of resources in the bookstore. These God's Promises books, Promises from God for Women, God's Promises for Your Every Need, great resources where you can find God's promises that you can pray over your life. 
We need to be digging into his word and praying his word because his word is alive, it is powerful, and I can tell you from my personal experience, when I pray the word, it changes my prayers, it changes my faith because my heart leaps knowing this is God's promise, this is true, he is faithful to his word, he will do what he said he would do. It brings power to our prayers. And then the third component of power-filled prayers is the Spirit of God. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to pray through us. And when Jesus ascended to heaven, he told the disciples, I'm not leaving you alone. I am sending the Holy Spirit to be your helper, to teach you all things, to abide with and then, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence within us. He makes his home within us and abides within us. He comes to dwell in us. And what he's doing is baptizing us into the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, by one spirit, we are baptized into one body. And that's what happens at that point. And the Spirit of God dwells in us. But then there's another working of the Holy Spirit. And that's the baptism with the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit of God comes upon us to empower us. And we see examples of this throughout the book of Acts, starting in Acts chapter 2 with the day of Pentecost. And in Acts 2, verse 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, this is the early church, the New Testament church, that gives us our example for local church today. And... On this occasion and numerous times throughout the book of Acts, we see tongues as a personal prayer language accompanied by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit praying through us. There is so much benefit that comes from the Holy Spirit praying through us. In Romans 8.26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You see, when we don't know how to pray, and there are plenty of situations, I don't know exactly how to pray. You have situations in life you're not sure quite how to pray. When we pray in the Holy Spirit, we are praying the perfect will of God, because he prays through us. And then in Jude chapter 1, verse 20, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit, it builds us up. It strengthens us and empowers us when we pray in the Holy Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the Apostle Paul he said a few things about this topic. He said, first of all, when we speak in tongues, we're speaking to God, not to man. And then he said, 
When we speak in tongues, we are personally edified, built up, because it's the Spirit praying through us. And then in verse 15, he says this. He says, so what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Then he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Is praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues, is that something that we need to have to be believers, to be children of God? No. Hold on. <laughs> we can have relationship with God. He calls us. He brings us to himself. We can surrender our heart and have a relationship with God where his spirit comes and lives in us and, as we said, baptizes us into his body. We can certainly be his children without this baptism with the Holy Spirit of speaking in other tongues. Yes, we absolutely can. But I got to tell you, I want all that God has. I don't want to settle for less than what he has. And one thing I know for sure is that praying in the Spirit, wow, does that bring power into my prayers because it's the Spirit of God praying through me. I am so incredibly, personally thankful for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the ability to speak in other tongues. I don't always know how to pray, but I know that when I pray in the Spirit, He's praying through me. Sometimes I pray in English and then I run out of words and I, I'm not sure what to pray next. I run out of my words and I start praying in the Spirit and all of a sudden, it's like he shows me more things to pray. When I feel weak, I pray in the Spirit, and I feel strengthened by his Spirit. It's a gift that he wants to give us. In Luke chapter 11, it talks about the earthly father and the son, and, and says, you earthly fathers, if your son comes and asks for bread or for fish, are you going to give him a, a serpent or a stone? Of course not. What earthly father would do that? And then it says, how much more so, your heavenly father, when you ask for the Holy Spirit, he will give you the Holy Spirit. We just have to ask. It's a free gift available for all believers. And you see, ladies, maybe some of you here in this room today have experienced that. Maybe others of you haven't. That's okay. God wants us to be continually growing in our prayer lives, continually going deeper, continually experiencing more of him and what he has for us. And sometimes it takes a little bit of courage on our part to step into what he has for us. But we need to be women who are courageous enough to grow in our prayer life, wherever we're at. We all have room to grow in our prayer life. That means we've got to get really good at being courageous enough to pray even when our flesh doesn't want to. That means we've got to allow our prayers to become more power-filled 
by opening our heart more to God, pouring our hearts out more to him, praying the word more over our lives, digging in, getting his promises, and allowing our hearts to open more to his spirit, to the working of his spirit in our lives. For you, it may mean opening your heart to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, experiencing more of what God has for you. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, all of these things are at work in my life. That is awesome. But as long as we are on this earth, we can all grow more. We can all stretch and all expand more. And ladies, I just want to lovingly challenge you today to think about your prayer life and think about what you would like to see. You want to see big miracles? What more can you do? to pray big prayers, to have big faith, to have really, truly power-filled prayers, and then to be that vessel that God just floods through at all times, no matter what, no matter what situations are happening, no matter how you're feeling, but where you get alone and pray so he can pour through you in big ways to those around you. How many of you want to be a little bit more courageous in your prayer life to see more of him in your prayer life? Amen. Awesome. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, we just come before you right now. And Father, I pray for each and every woman here. And God, right now, as we've just opened our hearts to you and said, yes, God, we want more. We want more of you. God, we want to experience more of you. We want to see more of your power at work in our lives. God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to do what we need to do to see that happen. God, I know that we can't just sit back and say, okay, do it, God. You expect something from us. And so, God, you know each one of these women personally. You know where each one is at. And, Father, I pray that you would speak personally to each one what she needs to hear from you today, what steps she can take to go deeper, to grow in you and see her prayer life expand with more of you, God. Speak to each one, I pray, and help us. Father, I thank you that you didn't say, okay, now go figure it out on your own. No, you sent us the Holy Spirit as our helper to teach us all things. And we thank you for that. Thank you for teaching us and helping us to grow in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And ladies, while your heads are still bowed, maybe there's some of you here today and you know, you've heard about having this prayer life and this just ongoing conversation with God and, and maybe you're thinking I, I've never had conversation with God maybe you've never had that kind of relationship with him where you just run to him with everything where you open your heart to him you know what you can have that kind of relationship with the God of this universe, the God who created you, the God who formed and fashioned you for his purposes on this earth. He is longing to have a personal relationship with you. It's not about religion. It's not about tradition. It's not about joining a particular church. 
It's just about a very real, living, breathing relationship with him. And if you are here today and you say, I want that, we're going to pray a prayer in just a moment. And I'm going to give you the words, and we're all going to pray this together, but if that's you, I want to ask you to wrap your heart around this prayer as we pray and commit your life to him. Ask him to be Lord of your life today, okay? Let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're my Father, that you sent Jesus to die for me. And right now, I surrender my life to you. I ask you to be Lord of my life. And I choose to live for you all the days of my life. Help me to continually grow in you and learn more of your ways. In Jesus' name, amen.